Well, if you would again uh, take out your Bible, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be reading verses 13 through 17. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 13. Again, this is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. Thus far, the reading of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant Word. Uh, you may be seated. pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this reading of your word. We ask now, O God, that you would um, bless the preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear. Be with this your servant. May we understand and apply rightly this passage of scripture, and may we give all glory to Jesus in it. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've um, <clears throat> gone through this series and we've come to this section particularly on uh, the armor of God and spiritual warfare, it's been amazing to me how personal these sermons have been for me. But I shouldn't be. And you shouldn't be either. You see, you and I are engaged in an extended conflict called the Christian life. It is not a battle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. For you and I, there may be seasons of ups and downs. We have times of struggle as we are confronted with our own sin. We may fall into temptation. We may get angry, we may feel frustrated, or we may do things which are really very self-serving. We all at times fail to love God, and we fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. And it does not take us long to see our own wretchedness, if we're really honest with ourselves. But this is because we're at war. And the battleground of this conflict is in our own hearts. Suffice to say, the Christian life is a life of war. But this war is not like any other human conflict. It is not against flesh and blood. This is a war which is spiritual in nature. And, unlike many military forces throughout all of human history, which have been ill-equipped to execute a war... 
the Christian is fully equipped to engage in the battle which we face. God has provided what uh, Paul here calls spiritual armor. Like the battle itself, the armor is spiritual, not physical. So Paul uses then a metaphor of a soldier to help us grasp the reality of what God has provided for us. And so if we are to effectively fight in this battle, we need to take up the equipment which has been gifted to us. Thus, Paul exhorts us to take up the whole armor of God. In other words, take up all that is required to enter into this field of battle, to effectively wage war against the cosmic powers of darkness, so that you may be able to withstand any evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. You see, the Christian is under attack. You're under a spiritual attack from the forces of evil. But these attacks are not always obvious to us. We, we don't always uh, see them coming at us uh, fr- from, from the front. And so we must take up the armor of God so that we can stand firm against the attacks which will come, and even now are coming, against you and against me. Now, last week we looked at the necessity of preparing for this battle. And this week we look at the, the particular pieces of equipment which are at our disposal. As Paul, again, uses a Roman soldier as a picture of soldierly preparation. And so, we begin in verse 14 where he says, Stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. Now, I want you to know that the imperative, that is the command here, is to stand. We're to stand. And then this is followed by four participles, which is fasten, put on, bind, and take up. And since we are to stand firm in the face of the enemy, then our loins are to be girded, they're to be fastened with the truth. Now I want you to note also something else. In in your English Bible, the word belt is actually provided for us. It's not in the original Greek. Uh, In the Greek, it it is, Stand therefore, having girded your loins with truth. What is is understood, of course, is what you would do that with, how you would gird your loins, is of course with a belt. Thus, the belt of truth. And for the soldier, it is the belt that he first fastens as he prepares himself for battle. He would then, after putting on his belt, he would then put on his breastplate. Then he would bind his sandals to his feet. And then, having taken up his shield, he would take up in the other hand his sword. He would not sheave the sword. It would be in his hand. He would be ready to engage. But the soldier's preparation begins with what he fastens to the middle. He would gird up his tunic so that he could move freely. And for the Christian, the very thing that holds everything together is the truth. It is the truth which binds everything together. And of course, what Paul is describing here is the truth of God, which is revealed in the Scriptures, the Old and New Testaments, and which is then to be understood and believed by the individual Christian. You must fast or gird up your loins with the truth of God. 
It is the Christian's knowledge and belief in the truth. You see, if you were to fight falsehood, and by the way, most falsehood is not out there, it's in here. If you're to fight falsehood, then you must know and believe the truth. One cannot hope to withstand the assaults of the powers of darkness if he or she does not trust and rest in God's truth. You must know God's truth. You must believe God's truth. In order to rest in God's truth, we must know it. For nothing but the truth of God clearly understood, joyfully embraced, can enable the Christian soldier to keep his feet when he's attacked. If we do not possess the truth, then there is nothing else for us to trust in. This is what holds everything else together for us. This is why Sola Scriptura is so critical for us. We must have God's truth in order to apprehend God's purposes and to understand God's will. We must know and believe the truth. And so just as a a belt is fastened and would gird up a soldier's garments, allowing him to move freely on the field of battle with confidence, so it is the case for us when it comes to the truth of the Word of God. The truth of God, believe and rest it in, will allow the Christian to stand up against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this battle, as has already been stated, is not against flesh and blood. Therefore, human reason, traditions, speculations, and other imaginations of men are insufficient for you and I to stand firm. You see, these are like weak paper belts. They will be torn to shreds. They will cause you to stumble when the attack comes. And note that what what I'm saying is not if the attack comes, it's when. It comes. Only the truth of God can give you strength for an ordinary conflict of the Christian life, and much more still on the day of trouble. And so I ask you, dear Christian, are you prepared for the attacks of the enemy? Have you fastened the middle of your Christian walk with the truth? Be prepared to stand firm on the field of battle. Gird your loins with the only belt which can hold everything together in your life. That is God's truth. Well, the Christian, then knowing embracing the truth, having sort of put on that belt, if you were, then must consider his own life. You see, as we evaluate ourselves, as we know God's truth... And we know God's law, we begin to compare ourselves then to God's law. And what we see very quickly is that we fall short of God's glory. We must admit, I am a sinner. I am in need to be made right with God. There is separation between God and I. I need to be made right And so what you and I need is to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We need the protection that Jesus gives from the assaults of the adversary. 
For the Roman soldier, the breastplate consisted of two parts. Uh, one covered the front of the torso, and the other would cover the back. And a warrior who was without the thorax of armor would be totally exposed when the enemy attacks. And that, and that attack would come to the chest, would come right to the heart. In such a state, a, 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 fl- a flight or death would be inevitable. The Christian, then, is to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is the metaphor that Paul is using. This is actually, this, by the way, the same instruction that Paul had already given earlier on in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, when he says, Put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Paul isn't telling us anything he has already told us. We have already been given a new self. We've already been created after the likeness of God. This is the righteousness of Christ. We have been reborn. If you're a Christian, you've been reborn in Him. And this righteousness, this righteousness you put on, this is not your righteousness. You see, if it was our own righteousness, then this this armor would be no protection. For we've already said, we started with this, we're sinners. We have no righteousness of our own. Our own righteousness cannot resist even the whispers of sin, nor can it turn away from the powers of temptation, let alone the direct assaults of Satan. Our own personal righteousness is no righteousness at all. This is a flimsy paper breastplate, unable to protect us from sin. In fact, in his letter to the Philippians, Paul calls his own righteousness rubbish. It's, it's garbage. All of, the, all of his own law-keeping was lost in comparison to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus the Lord. Our own striving for perfection, our own personal goodness, our own righteousness, you know, all of these ways we say, look, look, I'm actually a basically good person. These are not armor. Paul says it's rubbish. You and I must recognize we're vile sinners. We have no righteousness of our own. What we need is the righteousness of God, which comes through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, putting to death in the flesh and being made alive in the Spirit, 1 Peter three eighteen. You see, our Savior, Jesus Christ, exchanged our sin for His righteousness, that we might be able to stand justified before God. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are trusting and resting in Him alone, then you are justified. Therefore, since we have been given the righteousness of Christ, we are to be clothed and protected by Him. His righteousness. For when, we, when we're in Christ, we belong to Him. When you are in Him, you are enabled to live a life that is exemplary and pleasing to God. Not in perfection, but clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And you have the Holy Spirit. For you've been transformed into a new creature in Him. 
And so it is that when we put on Christ, we put on His righteousness, we are being protected from the assaults of the enemy. The accuser who would come and say, look look what a horrible, vile sinner this is. No, he's clothed in Christ. This one belongs to me, God would say. And we have God's breastplate firmly fitted to our chests. Our hearts are protected from the arrows of the enemy. And therefore, we ought not to be in distress or dismay over our sin. For our salvation is sure in Christ. For we have been newly empowered to put sin to death. And it's not because of our own goodness. It's not because we're such great and smart people. But because Christ is our Redeemer. He is the only mediator between God and His people. Dear Christian, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on Christ. Dare not try to put on your own work. Christ is the one that we wear. He is our protection. I'll continue again with the image of the soldier. Having fastened the belt... Having put on his breastplate, then the Roman soldier would bind his shoes. Now, we think about a list of armor. Shoes seem sort of strange. How how are shoes vital to the preparation for battle? Well, since ancient warfare was largely hand-to-hand, swiftness of foot during combat was absolutely essential. And to this end, the Apostle exhorts his readers to put on or to bind as shoes the readiness given by the Gospel. The readiness given by the Gospel of peace. In other words, the Christian soldier, as, as they enter into the field of battle, must be ready, must be prepared with great joy to bring the good news of peace that's found through Jesus Christ, which is to say, the gospel of peace, the good news that redemption has come in Christ. Paul may be drawing here from Isaiah 52, where it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of Him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, Your God reigns. The good news of the gospel is that through Jesus, we have peace with God. And as a result of this peace, we then can have great joy in Him. And when you have good news, and you know what it's like to have good news, you want to share this good news. God reigns. God is saving people through Christ. This is good news. The gospel. The gospel then is what animates us with joy. It is the gospel which gives wing to our feet, if you will. Causing us swiftly and joyously to bring the gospel of peace to bear on the world. But there is another aspect to this, I think. For just as shoes on the feet of the soldier are vital to his being able to swiftly move about on the battle, so is the readiness given by the gospel of peace 
enables to, allows us to quickly sidestep the sword thrusts of the enemy. You see, you and I have been set free by the gospel of peace. Because we are at peace. No longer must we fear the accuser. No longer will his traps ensnare us. For we are at peace with God. And so I ask you, dear Christian, are your feet shod with the readiness given by the gospel of peace? Are you trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ? Is this where your confidence is? Are you confident in what He has accomplished for you? In the powers of sin which He has defeated on your behalf? The Christian soldier's feet are prepared with shoes of gospel readiness. We've been empowered to flee from sin. We've been empowered to sidestep the enemy's attacks. We've been empowered to bring the gospel to bear with swiftness and joy on the captives of the enemy. Well, after binding his feet with shoes, the soldier would then take up his shield. Verse 16. And for the Christian, this is your faith. Now, the word here used for shield, uh, thuros, literally means door. This probably refers to a large rectangular shield called the scutum, uh, which appeared much like a door. It was a very large shield that you could hide behind. Uh, Typically, it was wooden and covered with leather on the outside. Before a battle, the soldier would wet that leather covering so that the flaming arrows of the enemy would be extinguished. And the shield itself was large enough that you could hide behind it. And in in, in battle formation, uh, the Roman legionaries could close ranks and they would be nearly invulnerable to any any arrow attacks or rocks or spears or any other projectiles that may be thrown at them. They would be protected by their shield. So that's the metaphor. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ gives us invulnerable protection. He is our shield and defender. It is by faith that we are justified. And it is by faith that we walk. Therefore, we must take up the shield of faith. We must find our protection in Christ throughout all circumstances. Our greatest protection against the flaming darts of the evil one is our faith in Christ. And notice, too, that faith must have an object. Our faith is not just in faith. Our faith is in Christ. He is our protection and shield. And also, and we've seen this throughout uh, our study, faith is a free gift from God. This faith has been given to us. Our faith in Christ is from God. And so in calling faith a shield, Paul is referring here to, to the faith by which we are justified and reconciled to God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our crucified and resurrected Savior. 
The Christian then looks to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are trusting in Jesus. We trust and rest in Him for our justification, our adoption, our sanctification. Our faith is in the crucified and risen Lord and Savior, our Redeemer. He is our shield against the fiery missiles of Satan. That faith, that faith in Christ extinguishes any attacks which may come. This evokes a picture of the fire-tipped arrow used in ancient warfare. They would fire; uh, they would they, they would uh, launch arrows with with fire on them. And of course, you know these are wooden uh, shields. You, you see what they're trying to do? They're trying to burn away the shield. And when when that shield would burst into flames, it would cause the soldiers engaged in battle battle to panic. But the attacks of the devil are like this. Satan desires to destroy your faith. He wants to burn it up. And if your your shield is not faith in Jesus, if you are not trusting and resting in Him alone, then, beloved, you have not a wooden shield. You have a paper shield. You have a flimsy faith which will be destroyed easily. The burning arrows of the enemy may come to wound and destroy, cause great anguish to your soul, because the enemy wishes to destroy, or at the very least, to greatly damage your Christian walk. These attacks may come through temptation to sin, through discord within the body, through a lack of assurance, even in your own thought life. Remember, the battlefield is in your own heart. But these attacks, these temptations, the discord, the lack of assurance you have, your own thought life, these attacks can be quenched only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. It's by trusting in Him. Faith in Jesus as Savior is to be carried as a shield onto the field of spiritual battle. And you do this at all times and in all places. For with Christ as your head, and with faith as your shield, the enemy cannot reach you, even with his most cunning sniping attacks. Paul asks this question in Romans, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Beloved church, our confidence must be in Christ. Then you may say, but what about when I doubt What about when I doubt? What about when I lack assurance? Faith is hard sometimes, isn't it? Well, this is what makes it faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, We read this in Hebrews chapter 11. And then the writer of Hebrews goes on to list, uh, go on with a list of witnesses who never saw the things that they were promised. Abel. Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, Rahab, Joseph. These were all given promises by God which they did not in their own life get to see with their own eyes. But they were fulfilled in Christ. 
They believed in that which they personally could not see. You and I, beloved congregation, walk by faith and not by sight. And the encouraging thing is that though we are weak, though we have doubts, though we at times lack assurance, though we have questions in our minds about the realities of these things at various times and at various moments, God continues to testify His truth to us. And God forbears with us, and He shows us over and over again the truth of His gospel. And remember, the faith which you have, this is a gift from God. Without God's transforming Spirit in us, we could not believe. We'd be incapable of it. We are justified by grace through faith. And this is a gift from God so that no one may boast. And so our faith in Christ is our protection. And the shield of faith is a gift given to you by God. But you and I must take it up. We must take it up. Too often we try to rely on on ourselves instead of faith in Christ. We must take up the shield of faith throughout our spiritual journey at all times. Well, the next piece of equipment uh, listed in that which a Roman soldier would put on is the most ornamental, though certainly not the least important. And that is the helmet. The helmet, of course, would protect the head. And typically it was adorned with a plume of, of horsehair. And the Christian here is exhorted to take up the helmet of salvation. You see, salvation is what adorns and protects the Christian like a helmet protects and adorns the soldier. It is salvation through Christ which allows us to hold our head with confidence and joy because of the fact that we're saved. We are no longer at enmity with God. We have salvation. Salvation has come. The one who is redeemed has been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and has been transferred to the kingdom of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, you and I can face the assaults of the enemy with confidence, knowing that our salvation has already been secured by Jesus. He is our protection. He is our helmet. He is the one who provides that salvation. Beloved, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are already adorned with the beauty of salvation. It is as a helmet on your head. And this helmet of salvation is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is protecting us. Salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the righteousness provided by Him. This is a beautiful thing. And it protects you from the attacks of the enemy. Because Satan is the great accuser. And he goes day and night before God accusing the brothers. But salvation and power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come and they've conquered Him. They've conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Satan may come and accuse us. He may come and say, 
He may even come and, and, and remind you, what, look, look at what a horrible, rotten person you are. You don't deserve salvation. You don't deserve anything. Satan may come, but Romans 10, 9 reminds us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You have hope in your salvation. And it doesn't matter what the world, what Satan, even what your own heart tries to testify against you. If you confess Christ as Lord, you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you are trusting and resting in Him, you are saved. Salvation is found in Him. Because when you are in Christ, when you are clothed in His righteousness, then, and you have on your head His salvation, which He has bought for you by His own blood, then you are protected. You are protected. And in fact, the powers of darkness have already been defeated before you. We'll finally become to the last piece of our panoply in verse 17, and that is the sword. Now up to this point, as we've gone through these various pieces of armor, we've known that all of these have really been defensive. These are all things which God has provided the word to take up, to take up or put on, to, to gird, to bind. But the soldier does not go into battle with only defense in mind. You know, you're not running out on the field of battle like, just don't hit me. We must have a weapon, for we are to wage war on the enemy. And so we're instructed to take up the sword of the Spirit. Now, it must be first of all understood that the sword of the Spirit is not the Spirit Himself. You and I don't wield the Spirit around. We don't control the Holy Spirit as if He Himself were some kind of weapon for us. No, the sword of the Spirit is the sword which the Spirit of God Himself gives to us, namely, His very Word. In other words, the sword which the Christian soldier carries is the very Word of God. The Word of God which has been revealed to us in the Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. This, beloved congregation, is our offensive weapon against the assaults of the enemy. God's Word, the wisdom of God, and the power of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It is the Word of God which gives evidence of the light, and is itself the light. It is the lamp to our feet and a light to our path. The scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are the Word of God and are the only rule to direct us on how we may glorify and enjoy Him. The Lord Jesus Christ promised the disciples that they would face adversity and persecution. But then He gave them this weapon. He gave them His Word. And the Spirit which would come would direct their thoughts so that the teachings of Jesus would come to their mind more and more and none of the accusers would be able to withstand or contradict them. And we see, we, we, in our series of Acts, we saw that. We saw how God kept that promise to His people, to His disciples. It is here that we have an item 
that is used for both defense of God's people and is used for offense to attack the ranks of the enemy. For the follower of Christ is to know and to meditate on the Word of God so that they may destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. It is by the Word of God that the followers of Jesus take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. The sword that we wield against the enemies of Christ is the very words of God. It is God's Word that has power. It's not us to have any power. It is by the Word that we storm the gates of hell. Remember, the, the, the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. It is by the Word of God that we storm the gates of hell, seeking the lost, cutting the bonds of falsehood and sin. This is what we're doing. We're on the offense We're cutting the bonds of captives. We're setting them free. It's God who's doing that. By His Word and by His Spirit. And since it is that we have been given a weapon by the Spirit, and and, and note this, we also must use it with great care and diligence. We must speak the God's truth and love. There's, a, there's nothing worse for the Christian to, to bludgeon people with the word. This is not what we're doing. We must speak with love. We must allow the sharp edge of God's word to penetrate the heart of unbelief. We're seeking the heart, the lost. For it is by the word of God that there is life. It is by the word that the unbeliever is confronted with the reality of who God is. The greatness of this one who has made all things. And they are confronted as well with who they are themselves. That they are sinners. That they are in need of rescue. That they are in bondage. Please cut these bonds. And they are confronted with the knowledge that God has provided the way of escape through Jesus. Beloved congregation, take care. You do not misuse God's word to your own detriment and to the detriment of others. God has given to his church the proper armor needed to live the Christian life. To stand firm in faith, in the face of unbelief and the various attacks of the powers of darkness. And for the soldier in this field, the most dire situation one could face would be being unprepared. And so, dear Christian, are you prepared? Are you equipped for the spiritual battle which is before you? Are you girded with the truth, knowing and believing the Word of God? Are you trusting and resting in Christ alone and thus clothed in His righteousness as a breastplate? Are your feet bound with the gospel of peace so that you may swiftly and joyfully bring the good news even to yourself? Are you shielded by faith in Christ which extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy? Is your head covered with salvation, which has beautifully adorned those who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ? And is the word hidden in your heart 
and taken in hand, as it were, taking up the sword, which comes from the Spirit, which destroys strongholds. Beloved congregation, you and I are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And the question we must ask ourselves is, am I ready? Am I prepared? You see, this is a battle which is waged not out there somewhere. It's on our knees in prayer. Seeking the face of the Lord for our neighbors. Repenting of our own sins. This is a battle which is fought in our study as we open the Word of God and we meditate day and night. It is a a battle which is engaged in coffee shops and living rooms as we share the hope that's within us, the gospel of peace. It is a conflict which is waged in our own hearts as we daily must put on Christ and His righteousness, as we must daily follow after Him, as we must daily trust and rest in Him as our Savior who has saved us from the pit of despair. And as you walk with Christ, as you seek to walk in accordance with His Word, may you find yourself striving to stand firm. But even as we do that, even then, we, we also recognize it seems like sometimes we're losing, right? We're, we're trying to put to death sin. And aren't we sometimes like Paul in Romans 7? The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I'm supposed to do are things I don't do. And wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? We're sinners. We fall short of God's glory. But the congregation know and believe that Jesus has won the war already. So be encouraged. You and I may fall short of His glory, but God loves for us to repent and to seek His face. He delights in us repenting. And the enemy, the enemy wants to discourage you. The enemy wants to say to you, see, you're not a very good Christian. Look how horrible you are. What a hypocrite. The enemy wants to ensnare you and accuse you. Satan wants you to be without hope, but stand firm. Clothed with the armor Christ has won for you and has given to you as a gift. Stand firm, Christian. Christ has set you free. You belong to Him. Take comfort and protection in Him by faith. For He is our only comfort in life and in death. Let's pray together. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this metaphor which we have studied here today in Ephesians. Help us to be a people who stand firm in your truth. Stand firm in your righteousness. Stand firm because we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. That we have salvation. That Jesus has won it for us. Help us to stand firm even as the enemy may attack us, even as the doubts come. Help us to stand firm in faith in Christ. And help us as well to seek the lost. For we know that there are many who are captive to sin in this, in this place, in this community. Help us to seek them. Help us to bring the truth of the gospel to bear. That their bonds may be cut. That they may have salvation that's 
found through Jesus Christ. And so to that end, we pray that we may be a people who wage war against the enemy, knowing that you, God, have won already. And so we trust and rest in you, thankful for what you have done for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.